everyone, and welcome back to Crowning Around, a podcast where three regular everyday peasants attempt to learn about the royal family through their depictions in film and television. My name is Sam Chung, and today we saw London, we saw France, and we saw some royal underpants, and we're here to break it all down. That's right, today we will be diving into The Crown Season 3, Episode 8, Dangling Man. Uh, revisiting some old characters and meeting some new ones. There's a lot to talk about here, and luckily, as always, I'm joined by my two wonderful co-hosts. First, a man who always sends pranks in his letters. It's Ivan Vukovic. Ivan, did we basically see in this episode that uh, Charles Charles's true calling is uh, a job at Hallmark, <laughs> or or creating phishing scams? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was wild. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. It's like he made um, like paper grasshoppers. Yeah, it came off as extremely childish, but we'll, we'll get into that more later. <laughs> uh, also back with us today, a woman who has demanded a clock upon the conclusion of this podcast. It is Carlin Greenwald. And Carlin, this is some BS. Alice didn't get a clock to sell to support her convent. And yet Michael Adeen gets a clock that's just going to sit in his house and do nothing. This is ridiculous. This is why the monarchy needs to be abolished. Like, just this. <laughs> this is the, the start of the end for them. I know. It's never going to get any better. It, it feels so arbitrary. And, like, Michael Adeen, of all people, really? Come on. I Again, I didn't even know who he was this whole time. Like, and now he's gone. He was the... I mean, neither, neither did Philip. I, I knew who he was in the last <laughs> two seasons. Like, I recognized the actor, but I couldn't pick up who the new guy was <laughs> in this season. Yeah, where's the bald one? <laughs> All right, so as always, right off the bat, we just want to say if you came here because you're, you know, unsure about whether or not the events that transpired in this episode are factually correct, you've come to the wrong place because we don't know. You know, in that case, I guess we would know just as much as you. We're just assuming that everything we saw here in the episode is 100% factually correct and kind of going off of that, and uh, this is how we learn. So uh, I think with that... Uh, we're going to start off with a quick recap of the episode. So, Carlin, uh, could you please give us a quick recap of The Dangling Man? Yeah, so um, we start with our friend, the Duke of Windsor, David. He is dying of seemingly lung cancer. I guess that's just something that keeps happening to this family. And um, with this devastating news, Wallace and David decide not only to like you know throw some parties, but they're going to do basically an apology tour for David's legacy. And they're starting with bringing the former Japanese ambassador in to talk. And it actually goes really well, which sort of lends to this idea that starts sort of forming within the royal community. And it gets back to the queen of like, why isn't anyone visiting David if the Japanese former emperor is... And meanwhile, we get um, into some love affairs. So we learn that Anne is uh, causing a ruckus with Andrew Parker Bowles, his relationship with Camilla Shand, who uh, some famous characters now being brought into the show. Basically, Camilla and pa and Andrew just kind of cheat on each other, like back and forth. And Dave and um, Andrew's current person is Princess Anne, and he's like, "Hey, Anne, like I don't want you to get hurt. Like this isn't gonna be a, a cut and dry thing." We're not in love here. And she's like, nah, I'm fine. But she's not the only royal who's involved with this couple, which is kind of weird. But uh, Charles has an interest in Camilla that we start to see when he gets to play polo in a very, <laughs> very interesting metaphor where um, Andrew and Charles play on opposite teams and Andrew kicks his ass on the field. But Camilla is there cheering the whole time. And this gets Charles to talk to Dickie. And he's like, I really like Camilla. And, Char and Dickie's like, no. 
this is time for you to sow your oats. Like, don't be committing to anyone yet, but Charles does not seem to be on top of that. He seems to be really interested in Camilla, and he finally asks her out on a date, to which she says yes. We're good for them. They're going to start dating. We'll see how that goes. I think there's a new prime minister. I, you know, I wasn't really sure what was going on there. I think there's a new prime minister. He's, he's there. And then Charles's date goes really well, even though he spends the entire date complaining about how he is the quote-unquote dangling man, which apparently means he is just, his life can't begin until his mom dies. Red flags, but Camilla doesn't see that. And then, meanwhile, Liz decides to go visit David on his apology tour after his um, television. He goes and does a television sort of apology, like where he goes over his legacy, and it goes really well because people are over what happened many years ago, apparently. So then Elizabeth has to go out to see him, and when she visits David, he's like, I have all his correspondence with your son. You should really keep an eye on him. And she's like, no, I don't want to read his letters. But she, he's like, no, you, you, you really need to read these letters. They have some saucy stuff in them. And Liz is like, I actually, like, I'm not mad at you for abdicating the throne. In some regards, I think that being queen was a blessing. So they end on sort of nice notes together. And then Liz does read the letters from Charles, where he basically, Charles is like, I see myself i see my individuality streak i see the fact that you got to marry like you weren't able to marry the woman you love and it's going to be different with me so he's gonna be a rebel and then david dies and it's really sad rip david yeah i know i feel like this um i feel like this episode needs like an in memoriam almost like <laughs> i w- i was surprised there wasn't a title card i don't know what it would be about but just to keep yeah. track of or an end card so RIP to all the people that we lost in today's episode. Uh, David, uh, who, biggest disappointment, we didn't get to see, and we've, David has become such a prominent letter writer throughout his time on The Crown, but we didn't get to see any of his correspondence to Charles. Is he as cheeky in his letters to Charles? We'll never know. RIP David. <laughs> <laughs> also RIP Michael Adine. Uh, and your career <laughs> at the die. at the palace. What is that? Yeah, he's not. He's not dead. He's he's functionally <laughs> he's dead. Retired. No, he's functionally dead. You think we're gonna see Michael Adeen again? He's well, R.I.P. No, but also, what happened to Tommy Lassels? Why is it? Is he dead? He's for sure. Dead. I mean, presumptive R.I.P. Tommy Lassels, <laughs> who's probably <laughs> actually <he> dead. <laughs> Wait, I forget. Did we see? No, we saw Tommy Lassels this season, but in a flashback, right? Yeah, it was a flashback yeah, so. to young, like when they were little kids, and he was telling uh, Margaret that she could never be queen. <laughs> right. So no, 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 like present day scenes. Like the latest we've seen, Tommy Lassels was like last season, still kind of more in the early to mid sixties, right? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. There was someone else that I wanted to RIP, and now I forget who it was. Um... But maybe we'll get to it. I feel like there's someone else who lost. Oh, R.I.P. to Harold Wilson, uh, whose career is probably also over. I feel like we're never going to see Harold Wilson again. Because as Carlin, you mentioned, we have a new prime minister randomly. Which came out of nowhere. Like, we didn't even see Wilson saying goodbye. And I think he deserves a goodbye. He deserves that. He, he, I love that man. I know he didn't do a good job, but he deserves it. Yeah, this is... This was such a lore-heavy episode. Like, we got <laughs> a new prime minister. We we got, uh, you know, the off-screen retirement of Michael Adeen, and now <laughs> Martin kind of ascending to the top job after, like, 15 years of being the number two man. Um, you know, obviously all the stuff with David, all the stuff with uh, Charles, like, a lot happened here. Like, there are so many Crown episodes that yeah. are arguably filler or, or really just kind of, like, 
marginally move along one thread, but this had so much happening and so much forward momentum. Yeah, I feel like there were like A and B, like sometimes we watch The Crown, like the last episode, and it's literally just Philip for an hour. But I feel like there was right, a ton. Exactly. Yeah, there was a ton going on here that we can talk about. Um, I think that's all the RIPs that I had. So maybe that's not that many, but I don't know. Three feels like that's a good a amount. <laughs> I mean, I, I would say RIP Wallace Simpson. I don't think she's that's ever true. showing up again. That's fair. RIP to, well, older Wallace Simpson, who I feel like did more in one episode than we saw the original Wallace Simpson do in two seasons. Oh, I know. I was actually getting really emotional when like she was reacting to David's death. Like you felt like you really had the like context of that relationship behind you. I was impressed. She did a good job. Good job, did Wallace. Did her accent change? <laughs> I think that the thing is that her accent always changes because she has like a weird accent. What is her accent? Right. Because where's she? Wait, where is she from? Some weird, um, some weird East American, Northeast accent. East American. <laughs> East American yeah. accent. Right, because it was previously an American accent, right? I, I feel like she had yep. uh, like a very, very English-sounding accent here. A am she I just, just hearing things? She it. <laughs> that wasn't something I, I noticed. Huh. I can go back and look. Um, Weird. I mean, because they, they seem like they're really strict on the dialect, so I would imagine it was on purpose. I mean, it's okay. We, we don't need to worry about that bitch anymore. <laughs> wow. I mean, what happened in WE? What was her accent like <laughs> Oh my god! No, no, it's a I, I I jest. No, Wallace is decent people, I guess. But yeah, I, I, I don't, don't think we're really gonna be encountering her anymore. Yeah, probably not. That's probably true. All right, but with every death, there is birth. Um, and here, <laughs> I'm trying to make a transition here. And here we the meet birth of, of Camilla Shand. <laughs> yeah, the birth as of a Camilla. Thirty-something-year-old woman. <laughs> yeah, she didn't exist before this. She just pops into the universe as a fully grown 30-year-old woman here in The Crown Season 3. Both her and Andrew we meet here. I feel like things are really starting to kick off. They're like, it's 1970, let's go. <laughs> we, okay, honestly, like, we haven't had this much overt sexual tension in a while. Like, it was almost hard to do a kinky crown moment because it was just so obvious. Oh, this was fun, though. Yeah, I liked seeing Anne do things. Go be a sexual being, Anne. <laughs> I feel like your mother wouldn't approve. Probably. I feel like, yeah, does Liz even know? Where it feels Elizabeth like Liz is so detached from, like, <laughs> all of this. Well, she 100% doesn't know, but she wouldn't be happy if she knew. Well, even with, like, the Charles stuff, it feels like, as David is telling her, some of it's news to her, which is interesting. Again, she just doesn't talk to any of her children. I don't think she even talks to the ones she, like, wanted to have. I mean, <laughs> yeah, they disappeared again this episode. We finally met them in the last one, and they're gone again today. But, yeah, back to Anne. Yeah, back to Anne. <laughs> Yeah, she was all over this episode, and she's a conf. I mean, she's portrayed as I think Andrew says a confident woman. She's like, I'm not confident. What is? She I forget what she says. But yeah, I like seeing her here. Tough. Yeah, I'm, I'm just I don't tough. Yeah. Do, do you think Dickie also told her to sow her oats? <laughs> oh, I hope he did. That would make me like him so much more if he's just like, you know what? Everyone can go sow their oats. I mean, whether or not he told her, it seems like she is. So good for her. Yeah. yeah. Is it is it weird though that Andrew uh, Parker Bull's friend was like, "Hey, I got someone I need to introduce you to." Like, and and he gave him like zero time to like really kind of work up to the fact that he was about to meet, uh, you know, her royal majesty. Well, it sounds like 
had they met before? It kind of sounded it was like they were in the same social circle for a while, which uncomfortably was apparently when she was like a teenager. The polo but. circle. Oh, you're right. You're right. Because <laughs> he was commenting on, about how she had grown up. And yeah, that, that doesn't add a creepy layer to it at all. How old is Andrew Parker Bowles? There's like no one to root for here. <laughs> I root for Anne. Anne, I hope you find someone better than well, this yeah, man. Well, yeah, because how old is Anne? Anne is what? Like, is she even 20 yet? She's probably in her, yeah, if anything, early 20s. I will say that friend, um, though, that friend, though, was like a caricature. He's like, oh, friend, yeah. let me show you to someone that you'll be dying to meet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I got this great dame. <laughs> you'll want to meet this great dame. Oh, my God. Just going with like an old-timey 1920s American accent for some reason. <laughs> That's what he reminded me of. Um, or whatever the British the equivalent 70s. is. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, no. Uh, so Andrew Parker Bowles, so it's like that actor, the only other thing I know him from was from the, the show Broadchurch, where he played someone who was like clearly kind of meant to be like maybe not quite a middle aged dad, but getting there. Ooh. So, uh, yeah, to see him pop up in this now and, you know, be going after what I assume is a still in her early 20s, Anne. Yeah, I, it doesn't fly with me. Yeah, especially, yeah. I feel like Camilla just seems so much older than Anne. I don't know yeah. if that was just me. I That's what I think, but I also cannot pin how old Camilla is at all. Yeah, I mean, so. Emerald Fennel, like, yeah, now that I think about it, like, sh she could be anywhere from, like, 22 to 37, and I wouldn't bat an <laughs> eyelash. <laughs> that is quite a range. I mean, that's that's not wrong. But the, the other thing about the... This show right now is that we are being introduced to this like new generation of actors that we're going to follow for the next, you know, I guess not quite season and a half remaining, but at least one full season that's going to cover a pretty broad time range. So presumably everybody right now is playing uh, much younger than they actually are because I, I like they're going to keep these actors and probably kind of like age them up and you know right now it probably is a bunch of 30 year olds playing a bunch of people in their early 20s i assume yeah i think so um so the way that this is kind of uh depicted from Anne is that there's two pairs of people there's her and charles and there's andrew and camilla and one couple needs to be on top at all times <laughs> don't let the other couple get Carlin. on top <laughs> it's so they really did frame it this way, and it's so yeah. funny. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. And Charles is like, uh, what? What does that mean? <laughs> Charles, like, I don't, th this man has such virgin energy. Like, I assume he isn't, but, like, he has such virgin energy. You don't think anything happened on, in, in college? But, like, sir, do you not know what that means? A, a, a Come drama on. camp? A drama yeah, camp. Yeah, no. Again, I'm sure he isn't, but he just, he has that energy. And I don't know if he's ever going to shed it. I guess he will at some point, maybe. But right now it's very That actually strong. brings up a good question. Like, when would Charles have lost his virginity? <laughs> That's the good um, question. <laughs> That's the uh, good question. I'm going to go with college. Because I think Gordonston is, uh, that seems very, he doesn't seem like he ever. Wasn't that a school for boys? Well, I guess it yeah, doesn't matter if it's a school for boys, I guess. Yeah. Which I don't think he did. He doesn't seem like the type. So I'm going to go with college. I'm going to go with college too. Mm. But but like at Cambridge, not what not yeah. when he was in Wales. No, no, no. I don't think anyone looked at him. No Welsh. Which, which again, I 
still find difficult to believe that there wasn't like a single person at that college that didn't want to seize on the opportunity to become queen at the yeah, welsh I don't know. wait at which college are we at talking the welsh about? college at the welsh college yeah well i guess i guess either at this point well it seemed like they were yeah, torn between know. um becoming queen or just kicking him out so if they want to kick him out then it's not worth it i feel like he's more likely mm. to lose his virginity at a college in in england which True. like again i do think he was probably like barraged by women because you know he doesn't want to be queen but i yeah. think if he was not a prince virgin and what a mess though if uh these two couples end up getting together and then andrew and camilla have to just see each other all the time what a mess that would be really they're really not it's thinking, so funny yeah. really not thinking here i feel like it feels like a comedy <laughs> of manners type situation <laughs> Wait, why Why would Andrew and Camilla... Oh, like because if they were doing like a double date type situation, you well, mean? They, yeah, mm -hmm. they'd be like in-laws, right? They'd have to see each other all the oh, time. Oh you're, you're, oh, you're already thinking about marriage. I'm just thinking about sowing oats. Well, sure, we can frame it in sowing oats, but like where is it ultimately going? Like if you see it all the way through, it's just well, like... Wait, don't they live in the same forever. apartment? So yeah, you know what? There's going to be a lot of walk, walks of shames where they would have to see each other. Ooh. They're in the same apartment. Yeah. So you know what? That makes that'd be even better. Just the two of them having to like have awkward breakfast together. I just feel like if Charles and Anne were not related, there would be a really simple solution to all of this. I think that um in royal <laughs> tradition, that if only they were cousins, they'd be fine. <laughs> Alas. Yeah. So, I don't, what is Camilla seeing in Charles that he's bad at polo? I don't. There's not a there's not a lot of development here. Um, Josh O'Connor is very cute. Maybe he's smart. Uh, he went to Cambridge. Maybe she clearly Wentz likes his going. weird prank. Okay, but here's the thing, so, though. Can Cambridge tell Charles, no, you're not smart enough to get into Cambridge? Or does Charles really get to go wherever he wants? The latter. Mm. But does Camilla know that? <laughs> like, imagine being Cambridge or Oxford, and Charles is like, I would like to attend your university. And they're like, no. I don't see a world and where that Charles, happens. Charles, and Charles is like, oh shit, I guess I have to go to University of Delaware now. <laughs> I should take my, S I guess I need to take some SAT prep. <laughs> oh my God. I feel like some royal needs to do that. Like just go to the most random American university just for the experience. Let's go, um, maybe Prince Louis. I feel like they wouldn't let George do that. So... A lot of polo, I think, in these last two episodes. Probably more polo than we've seen in the series to date. Because last episode yeah. we saw Philip practicing for polo in the cage. And now today we saw some real polo. It's all clearly building up to a big match in the season finale. <laughs> it's just because of sports The championship. Movie. I will say, though, this feels like actually we're catching up on the amount of polo these people actually play. Like, we've been denied how much they play polo. Yeah, like they, they used to... They used to tell us they played polo. Now I believe them. <laughs> Do you think that season finale is Dickie just subbing in, being like, no more walking over, Charles? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, incredible. Is it weird? Wait, actually, so going back to the whole uh, uh, age range thing for Andrew Parker Bowles, I think it's pretty telling that they're all in a league together where Charles is playing alongside his dad. Oh, yeah. What is this? Like this is this is clearly like a, a league that probably consists of mostly middle-aged men, but Charles gets to participate because he's the prince. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Charles, that's what you want to do. Because if Charles actually faced people his own age, he would get literally crushed. I mean, <laughs> he's like, he's, he doesn't have a good sports record against these middle-aged men. Yeah, because didn't he get beat up when he played um football? 
Well, how, how does, I mean, how does polo work? Is it the sort of thing where you're going to be at your prime when you're, you know, young and in the best shape of your life? Or is it the type of game that like comes with like, you know, age and wisdom and experience that, that improves your game? In which case, like the middle-aged men would be the, the superior ones. Don't you need thigh strength to stay on the horse? Well, here's the, th yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, at the risk of sounding ignorant, isn't it like 85% the horse? Wait, is polo like lacrosse with horses? I don't actually know what this is. I feel like it's more like hockey I mean, with horses and no goalie. <laughs> oh, okay. I feel like it, it's more like croquet, but with horses. That's true. <laughs> but yeah, then there there's go. like goals instead of sticks. That sounds terrifying. <laughs> actually, it's nothing like polo. croquet. I like croquet. I don't. Well, it looks like I don't you have a like mallet. riding horses. All right. But I love croquet. <laughs> uh, Dickie tells Charles to sow his oats, and Charles responds by inviting Camilla over to dinner, and it got heavy. Um, but not really, mm -hmm. but kind of. Like, even though he's like, ha-ha, my joke, I'm so good at jokes, like, it seems like it was coming from a real place. Yeah, no, I think they really like each other. She seemed to really like that joke. Which to me is an indication that they're soulmates because no one else would put up with that. You wouldn't put up Can with having a card attack you? <laughs> I wouldn't put up with someone being so like self-satisfied that a card attacked me. Wait, so the the interview with uh, David, that, that aired during like that, that date that they were on, right? Like he had yes. to, yes. he was notified by, by one of the, the, the servants that the interview was about to begin. Can you imagine, like, what a mood killer that is? Like, well, that was what I was going to say. Do you think that he invite? he's like, hey, do you want to come over and actually uh, watch this interview with my uncle for me? <laughs> with yeah, me? what is that? Like, whatever whatever sexy times were, like, building up at that point, it's like, hold on, I have to watch my senile uncle get interviewed by the BBC. Um, I assume he's going by some sort of, like, old-fashioned courting rules where, like, he's not even allowed to touch her for, uh... Wait, oh, wait, this is supposed to be for sowing oats, though, you're right. He's really bad. He has no game. No way, because at the end, he he's like writing a letter, and she's just in his connected bathtub. Okay, so what they did was they watched this interview, and I guess maybe Charles knows that that's how to turn her on, is by apparently watching David get interviewed while he has cancer. Because what was she doing in the bathtub? I don't know. Maybe the interview was supposed to like re remind her of like the about the gravitas of who she was with, like... Hey, like here's a former king. I'm gonna be king one day too. But at the same time, it seems like that's something that's probably also very obvious to her already. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I that guess that's was the just appeal. a test. It was a test. Can you sit through this interview and still want to have sex with me? Um, but one thing that Charles says at dinner, um, which I feel like is the main takeaway, is kind of like the reverse of what Mike part of the Mike Parker lesson. We get it from Charles's perspective. He says he can't be alive until Liz dies. I got bad, bad news for you, friend. Yeah, I, I feel like he cursed himself by saying that. I assume he actually <laughs> said that. And now, look at you now, sir. How old are you? Um, so Charles is actually the one who is familiar with the, I don't even know when this was written. It seems like a World War II book, The Dangling Man, about an unemployed man from Chicago who just really wanted to get drafted to give his life to meaning. I don't know. They say that, uh, you know, not knowing your, your place in the world is like a, a millennial Gen Z thing. But this seems to be Charles in full force. He just he's a he's a hipster. You know, he did it before <laughs> it was popular. Yeah. Also, like when has when have you ever met a person from Chicago that didn't know their place in the world? They're like some of the like most arrogant and confident people you'll ever meet. <laughs> like everything, 
everything is all Chicago style to them. Like they're 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 so comfortable in their own skin and so proud of where they're from. I've never met a person from Chicago that had any kind of existential crisis. I just think it's so funny that he's comparing like someone going to the war with like him becoming king. Like, <laughs> sir, those are not the same thing at all. He just seemed very silly. And by that, I mean kind of a prick when he was saying that. But Camilla liked it. So you know what? I guess. And I'm like, how, like, was this prank preordained? How much of this prank was impromptu versus like very thought out and methodical and calculated? Well, he had to put effort into making the bouncy things. So. Oh, you he... think he made it himself? Yeah. He seems like he likes crafts. No, he got you really else don't to do think he him. likes crafts. I I don't know. I feel like he put he put so much effort and he was so proud of that prank. Like he had to have some something to do with it. He learned Welsh, guys. He also did that. I had canon that. Yeah, but was like pretending to be like incredibly depressed, like a planned part of the gag. No, I think that's just him. <laughs> that's just his personality. Yeah, I, I think he complains. He's like that friend that complains all the time and then he doesn't let you complain. That seems yeah. like who he is. Which, wait, wait, which friend are you talking about, Carla? Like, you know, you always have a friend who complains about everything. It's... Yeah, yeah, who? Yeah, I was oh, looking for names. Um, Bonus points if they're I from Chicago. I can't give you names. <laughs> well, then this example the isn't vivid enough. <laughs> I, I'm thinking of a name, but again, I'm not going to say the name. I'll, I'll say after the recording. But yeah, um, anyway, Charles seems like the kind of person who complains all the time. And Anne just puts up with it. I guess Camilla likes it. I don't understand Camilla at all at this point. Yeah, we don't but. know enough about Camilla, I don't think. Wait, can you imagine if one of the letters that Charles sent to David was just his prank letter? I think that could kill David at yeah, this point. Yeah, would David die? <laughs> I think he would. Because while he seems like a very fun man, he does not seem like a prank man. Unless he's the one pranking. He's like fine like coming up with like idiotic nicknames for everybody. But as soon as it's done to him, he'll be that person who's like, how dare you? <laughs> Yeah. What nickname do you have in mind? A nickname for Char wait, a nickname for Charles? No, a nickname for David. For a David. David style nickname for what, David. What, yeah. A David nickname for like, himself? How do, how do we ridicule David? What nickname do we give him? It's a good question. I feel well, like Austin I feel like I would they say think Austin. He murdered Birdie. <laughs> so maybe a famous murderer? Oh, um, I was I was going to go a different direction. You know that suit that he's in at the end that's like a pink suit with like a with like bright red pants it was like a crazy outfit i was gonna call him austin oh, yeah so good <laughs> oh my god mm. oh, i can't come up with that nickname for a couple more decades i know the timing doesn't line up all right but speaking yeah i was of gonna go jack the ripper but yeah oh jack the ripper that was dark <laughs> yeah i don't know he killed birdie suppose i like how they say he killed birdie as if birdie didn't just die from lung cancer as if Birdie didn't smoke like 60 cigars a day. <laughs> I think he would have done that anyway, but sure. I'm yeah. surprised everyone doesn't have lung cancer who smoked in the 60s and before that. But speaking of David. Maybe they do. Yeah, speaking of David, so we meet David at the beginning, a new David. We've never seen this older David before, and he's not in good shape. But even though he's not in good shape, he still wants to meet the Japanese emperor Hirohito. And I feel like... This was an interesting situation. It does feel like Emperor Hirohito was ambushed. They were like no cameras. And the first thing they did was like pose for a photo. So <laughs> that's kind of a low blow. <laughs> what in the world is this emperor doing visiting David? Were they friends? There's no way they could be friends. Well, the implication was that they had met once before, right? When the emperor was much younger. 
mm-hmm. when when David was a Nazi is the implication, oh. right? Oh, oh, oh! How did that wait. work on his reunion on his apology tour? That's not a good idea. Wait, it's not a good wait, idea. Wait, wait, wait! So you're so you're saying that like they met like post abdication, like kind of pre war? I would think so. Yeah. Oh, oh shoot! Yeah, that's not a good look at all. This episode was weird from the David perspective, I thought, because it seemed to position him more so than usual as like, you know what, he just did it for love. And you know what, maybe if he'd gotten a chance, he could have done great things. But we're just glossing over again the fact, like, that whole part of his backstory and, like, if he was king, how it would have played out politically. I don't know. People are, like, people are like taking this one thing like the him and Wallace situation and really just kind of like using that to paint the story. But there was a lot more going on. So here's my question. When did that information become public? Because maybe the public didn't know about the Nazi stuff yet. That's true. And that's why they can only position him by his love story. But the last time we saw David in show was in like in that episode that like revealed all of like the, the Nazi connections. So Within the narrative of the show, like they've already introduced that concept to us viewers, and mm-hmm. now you know one season later they expect us to completely disregard it. Peter you know, Morgan, like, it doesn't what's matter. Up? Yeah, doesn't matter how Elizabeth feels about it. Doesn't matter what like anybody else thinks or feels about it. Like we as the viewers have been told, like, oh, this guy's was like rubbing elbows with Hitler, so we're just supposed to now be okay with that because he's old and sick. TV does love doing that, so. It does. It, it didn't really, I don't know, something rubbed me the wrong way about that. Yeah, it was a very sanitized Disney version of David now. Yeah, and mm-hmm. you know what also makes him a piece of shit? He gets all this letter, he gets all these letters <laughs> okay. that, that you know, I'm sure Charles thinks this is all like private correspondence, and the first thing he does is like, I'm going to give these letters to your mom. Like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's just a shitty thing dumb. to do. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, like when you think about like what this man is done and who he's become and even just like these final days of his life like he okay he has been so like mistreated and disrespected by the royal family and yet like while he's on his deathbed elizabeth pays him a surprise visit and he decides he's gonna like get dressed put on like a nice suit and like you know even stand up for her and it's just like if i was him i mean of course like I don't know. Like, don't you think there'd be at least some degree of bitter resentment that would make you not feel the need to do any of those things at this stage? Yeah, especially if you didn't have to. If she, everybody would have been fine if you just stayed in bed and didn't get up. Everybody would have accepted Elizabeth that. included. Yeah. I think he just never wants to see himself. Like, he never wants Elizabeth to feel, like, above him because technically she is with him being a former king and her being the queen. I thought it was just an ego thing. Like, he couldn't stand the thought of her. Oh, uh, uh, that wasn't my read at all. I thought it was just him, like, trying to be respectful of, of the the monarch. Oh, no, I didn't think it was. <laughs> I leaned t- more oh, towards Carlin's okay. view, yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah, that, that makes more sense. Or it's like, you know, she's never going to see me, like, uh, in a moment of weakness, even though he literally mm-hmm. passes out during their conversation. Yeah. <laughs> He tried real hard. It didn't work out for him, you know. But 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 by getting all dressed up, like he's essentially showing her the the respect that he like the that she probably doesn't even deserve at this point. Like the real power move would have been to just like walk around in like a, a robe and underwear. That would have made her uncomfortable. It's true. 
yeah, he's like, I'm the king here. He gets to do an interview with the BBC. Um, what is the BBC doing here? Are they, what is this? This feels especially ratings grabby. Yeah, I mean, this would have been, what, 1970? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, they were probably just running out of good programming. But yeah, Ivan, back to your earlier point. I don't understand why the Japanese emperor is here. He doesn't even understand why he's there. He's like, I can't believe that I'm here <laughs> at this person who couldn't hold on to his throne. And like, you know, he the, the emperor had to go to, you know, the outskirts of Paris to go visit David. Like, why not just meet at a restaurant? Go out to dinner. <laughs> yeah, they could have gone to the Olive Garden. <laughs> We need to hear Akito's episode. We need to see just how confused this man was. What is the aftermath? Why did he do it? Let's see. I mean, there's not that much else to talk about, I think, with David here. Yeah, it's just weird. They're like, he was a modern man who wanted to move the monarchy along, really get them up to speed with the times. Like, what time was that, though? <laughs> like uh, The time where you could marry divorced women. I also loved that he was, like, writing letters to Charles and, like, simultaneously, like, coughing all over them. <laughs> <laughs> Well, luckily it was cancer. <laughs> Can you imagine he just spread some disease to Charles? That's his ultimate revenge. There will David's be house, no more kings. David's house is basically turned into a museum. Like when the when Liz enters, the first thing she sees is like the big red box that says "King" on it, which must be very triggering for her. I feel like she gives that box such a dirty look. <laughs> she really does. She's like, my father died because of that box. All right, so a couple other things that are happening here. Um, the new prime minister, he is a member of the conservative party, it seems. Uh, he is pro-Europe, we learn. And I feel like how quickly they must have turned around their stance on that <laughs> as a party. Oh, my God, I know. That was such a, that was, that was mind-blowing. He's like, we need to get in with Europe. Liz, please go and help us become part of the European uh, Economic Committee or whatever. And Philip is very much against her going there. And he's, he's against her going to Paris at all, really. Um, mostly because of David. Yeah, he really hates David. I feel like they, there's some spat we missed, or he's just like, I heard this story and I'm mad. Has he ever met David? I don't think so. I mean, he must have at some point, but we, no, not on the screen, I don't think. Well, like, what, I mean, I, I don't know that he necessarily would have. Like, he probably didn't become involved in Elizabeth's life until long after the abdication. Oh, and I, I cannot vividly recall any scene in the first two seasons where David is visiting wherein he's like meeting anyone other than just Elizabeth. Yeah, that's a good point. So I'm just saying like, Philip, don't judge the man. You haven't even met him. He just knows about the Nazism. And you know what? We all judge him because of that. So, Well, yeah, I mean, that's the, the pot calling the kettle black though, right? <laughs> Well, he didn't, Charles, or Philip didn't participate in Nazism. His family did. Okay, yes. Where, like, David allegedly had some ties to the Nazis, whereas, like, Philip's family was, like, bona fide, like, part of the club. I feel like F Philip does not have, like, any, like, higher ground to stand on here. Well, maybe that's why he's so upset. Because he sees himself maybe. and David. Prominent Nazis. Oh, I glossed over this. So this is a hot take from Anne. Anne says that she hates a man who apologizes. Uh, hot take, uh, Anne. <laughs> yeah, that's a weird one. She's going to regret that when she gets married. I'm sure. I can't imagine that's going to work out for her. Back to the prime minister for a second. Um, so this guy's name is Edward Heath. He says that, uh, you know, he's happy to be here because Harold Wilson was like a petty emperor. 
He was walking around like he had already won the election, and it serves him right. Um, and then he, he sits up very straight in the chair. I don't know if you noticed this. He came in. I feel like he did not follow any of the protocol that Harold Wilson had to follow. Did he bow? He did not. I didn't, I didn't see any really of this. That's why it was really confusing for me. Yeah, I didn't see any of that. It felt very disrespectful. Wait, what, what, what didn't he do that he was supposed to do? Uh, well, I feel like I didn't see him bow at first. He, he, I thought he did just go like, kind of like hang his head down very like kind of swiftly. Oh, really? Well, that feels like a disrespectful yeah. bow. You should really yeah, kind of bad. like let it hang there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we don't, we are the anti Edward Heath club here taking political stances right now. Yeah. And I feel like Liz also didn't appreciate him just immediately coming in and shit talking Harold Wilson because it did feel like they got along on some level. Basically everything that we saw. Because this is like this is the first time really throughout. I guess it would. Would it have been like the first time we've seen Elizabeth meet a new prime minister who like other than Wilson and a new prime minister who won by election. Cause I feel like with Macmillan and Anthony Eden, those guys were all just appointed by the party, right? The only two elections um, where there's been a party change were when Wilson took over and now Heath, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I guess so. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. How long, wait, when did we start this season? What year was it? 60. I think it was 64 ish, 65, 64, 65. Got it. So the Labor Party had six years to <laughs> to just turn all the public against them. Classic Labor Party. Classic Labor Party. Wow. That's that's not a long time. Wow. Good job. Good work, everybody. I blame the cabinet. That cabinet was a mess. Yeah, it was bad. I blame Beatlemania. Beatlemania. <laughs> this doesn't even make sense. Why would it be the Beatles? Well, I, I get that. It's 1970. The Beatles have already done their last performance ever. The public is like, see what the Labor Party did. The Beatles are no longer a thing. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, this is now the era of um, the Sex Pistols. I don't know if they hate the Labor Party or the Conservative Party or both. But there's yeah. been no reference to that, and that upsets me. I feel like, realistically, they hate the Queen. <laughs> yeah, that too. They do have a song about that. All right. Um... Anything else to really that we missed here? The the only thing I will say while we're still on the topic of uh, he, Prime Minister Heath, that seemed very shoehorned in. Like, was there any reason they couldn't have taken that little subplot and just like left it for next week? I agree with you. Because I don't think it really added anything to like Elizabeth's storyline this episode, which was all David centric. Like this just seemed to be a little uh, appendix to it all. Yeah, I mean, maybe it added a little bit of like, hey, she's going to Europe already. It's not like she made a special trip just to go see David on his deathbed. I don't know. Uh, Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it gave a little bit of context. But I don't know, for us to have seen the last of Harold Wilson and not even know it, like, I don't know. It's just whiplash. Horrible. I mean, uh, aren't you more heartbroken about Michael Adine? I had no attachment to the new Michael Adine. Although I will say congrats to Martin, whose wife can finally get rid of that tree. <laughs> 15 years later. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> he seems to have gotten the job that uh, he always wanted and that Liz always wanted him to have. I know, very unceremonious, like his promotion. He seems happy, though. He seems spry. So with that, I think contrary to some of the previous episodes, Carlin, as you were saying uh, earlier, I'm not sure if you said this. Now I'm forgetting if you said this before we started, 
Uh, I think you did. There were a lot of kinky moments, but they were so kinky that are they too obvious? Yeah, we had a couple. I think I have a few that might not be as, but like we're gonna go. Let's let's go. Let's see what everyone has. Okay, uh, Carlin, what do you have? Um, so my favorite one was when Philip was talking about the. I think he was talking about the prime minister, and he was like, "Some people bring wives to Downing Street, and some people bring grand pianos." I'm not sure if I know what you mean. Yeah, what what are you talking about? That sounds. That's just, how's, the, how's that kinky? <laughs> Because I don't know, it just seems like a very weird reference to being gay. Like, do you bring your grand piano or do you bring your wife? Oh, oh, that's interesting. Oh, okay, that's, that's where not your what mind it meant, went. but that's what I—that's how I read it. It's a man in love with his piano, and that we can keep going. Gay? Sure. Otherwise, I thought Charles and his prank on Camilla was the like kinkiest thing. Like, he clearly thought that was like how to woo a woman to have sex with him. So. Uh, Carlin, you said there were some obvious kinky moments in this episode. Yeah, I'm not doing those. I'm leaving those for you guys. Oh, okay. Thank goodness. Yeah. 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 Okay, Ivan. I'm sure you noticed some of these obvious moments. Well, maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. But I, I only have one nomination. Okay. Okay. And it is the title of the episode, Dangling Man. Okay. Oh <laughs> Mine was also a Charles and Camilla moment. It was when Charles was inviting Camilla uh, over to his house for dinner, and she forces him to say please, which seems a little kinky. Yeah, that was pretty kinky. Um, I thought the nautical metaphor was kind of kinky when they were trying to discuss like what kind of relate, like Anne and um, Andrew. Oh. Okay, yeah. Um, what about when Anne says that she prefers when she and Andrew are going around and around in circles? Yeah, that was that's such an awkward <laughs> phrasing, but yeah, that was pretty it is. <laughs> Yeah. The other, the things that Andrew was saying to Anne. Oh, God, the, like, developing and growing up and all that. Yeah, oh. that feels not kinky. That feels just gross. I don't like that. No on that. Also, I don't know, if, you're, if your name is Anne and you meet someone named Andrew and your brother's name is Andrew, is that too much? Are you like, no? I guess well, not no, if you're the Anne. the Kardashians kept dating people named Chris, so... That's true. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and once they did it, it was okay. It, it, this happens to prominent fans. I feel like it would be really unfortunate if like, you had relatives with really common names. Because then that would just eliminate all those names from your dating pool. Plus, like all the people in the circle have like the same six or seven names. I guess. But it's also additionally the fact that his name is Andrew and her name is Anne. They sound very similar. Like if yeah, I, I met someone whose name was Samantha, I'm not saying... Well, most likely it's it would be a no. I feel like that's just yeah. too much. I, most you're disqualified. Like Taylor you're disqualified Taylor based Swift. on your name. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> and a that lot. your name is the same as my name. You need a different name. Different name is bar what if, is minimum. But what if what if this this Samantha, this hypothetical Samantha you've met sure. was second in line for the throne of England? <laughs> Wait, second in line? Oh man. Uh I don't know that that's <laughs> Well, I think that's better because then you don't have any royal protocol you have to follow. You just get them being rich. I guess, Ivan, it would be like if, if you met someone named, like, Ivana. Oh, I, I, I once uh, had a class name, uh, a classmate named Ivana. And, and guess what all the other kids love to do? Oh, yeah, exactly. See, this is why it's, it, can't, it can't be a thing. Just got to squash it. <laughs> At least that's a different name. There, when, you're just, when you both just have the same name. I don't know. But they do, they don't have the same name. No, they don't in that case. But yeah, Anne and um. All right, well, uh, back to Kinky. <laughs> so where are these obvious examples? 
the, the entire scene with Anne and Andrew, <laughs> I think. Okay, yeah, like, that's like my vote. The whole going around in circles uh, innuendo. Let's. Uh, that's my vote. Yeah, I think I that remember. scene. I I agree. I think I I'll go with the obvious one as well. Yeah, let's just go with that. All right, congratulations to Anne. Following the footsteps of Philip, who I I don't have a tracker, but I'm sure he's won the most of these. Yeah. <laughs> Good for Philip. Yes, she is her father's daughter, I guess. All right, cool. So that brings us to a close here on The Crown, season three, episode nine, or no, season three, episode eight. Uh, sorry, next week we will be talking about The Crown, season three, episode nine. Um, let me just check and see what that episode is. Season three, episode nine, Imbroglio. Okay, nationwide power cuts occur after a government stalemate with mine workers. Charles's family tries to interfere with his relationship with Camilla. So things are getting juicy. What's up with mine workers this season? Um, I feel like they've been everywhere. All right, but I think that takes us to a close here on uh, the episode. So, um, Ivan, people want to connect with you about the crown on social. Where should they do that? What's our handle? Crown around pod? Yes, add <laughs> yes, add crown around pod. All right, Carlin, what about you? Twitter at Carlin Greenwald, Instagram at Carlin underscore G E E. All right, and you can find me at Sir Sam Chung. But the best place to reach all of us uh, about the crown, about this podcast, um, as we said, is on Twitter at Crown Around Pod. And I think that's all we got for you today. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next time. And God save the king one last time. He was never the king. God save the he queen. Was. <laughs> For a while, for eight, eight months, wait, ten, months? Eight, ten months. They told ten us, months. yeah, ten months. Yeah, okay, okay, fine. Fuck it. God save the queen. God save the queen. <laughs> God save the queen. God save the queen.